that's where society comes in and the narrative is like women are so weak because they bleed and they have a period so they can't keep up and it turns out it's actually a time where we're strong we can find that you know ourselves in the follicular phase um experiencing less pain we can recover from exercise better and we find that we can actually gain more muscle mass in that follicular phase and that's because of the powers of estrogen and testosterone bulletproof radio a state of high performance you're listening to bulletproof radio with dave asprey today's cool fact of the day is that bad moods are completely contagious, at least if you're a raven. <laughs> and this is new research from the University of Vienna where they look at ravens. And ravens are really adept at showing empathy. And the researchers wanted to understand one building block of empathy. It's like whether animals do share emotions. So to be able to feel for others, you need to be able to feel like others. So they took these relatively smart birds and looked at a cognitive bias test, which is like viewing a glass half empty or half full to figure out emotions and social behavior in birds. Yes, they're that smart. And they watched whether birds reacted positively or negatively to something that was neutral. And it turns out ravens reacted more to seeing how their partner processed their reaction rather than reacting on their own which is funny. So there's something that is just neutral, but you look at the person next to you and you feel what they feel, not what you felt, which is kind of creepy. Well, at least if you're one of these creepy birds. Now, speaking of creepy birds, on the trip to Tibet where I first had yak butter coffee that was the, the spark that caused me to create uh, Bulletproof Coffee, this yak butter tea, Everywhere I went, there were these insanely large ravens, like, like ravens beyond belief. I don't know how big their wingspan was, but it must have been like two meters. I'm totally making that up. It could have only been, it was real. They were big. And I'm looking around going, what do they eat? There's no rabbits. There's almost no game. It's a very sparse part of the world. Well, what they eat is people. <laughs> because in the remote parts of Tibet where I was, they actually practice a Tibetan sky burial, where when someone dies, they chop them up into little pieces in a ceremony and the birds eat them. And in that way, they return to the environment and you know, practice the cycle of life. So the reason I saw these really smart, really giant birds is because they ate people. And in case you're wondering, no, ravens are not vegan. Just saying. More seriously, what does that mean for you? It means that how you show up in the world may, in fact, I would say almost certainly does affect other people's emotions in a way that you didn't think about. That means that if you take that glass half full, if you have enough energy, because you ate right, because you did things right, because you became a biohacker, you have that energy and you can choose how you respond to something and other people also choose positively, you've had a much bigger impact on the world than you think. This is one of the reasons that I'm so passionate about having people properly nourished because when you have more energy, you are wired to be kind to others and people will see it and they will copy it. This is how each of us makes a big splash in the world, this ripple that spreads out from us just from having enough energy to be nice. So even if your friend is not a raven, uh, be nice, take a positive thing, and maybe it'll spread. Today's episode is going to be a lot of fun because Dr. Jolene Brighton is coming back on the show. 
She was on in 2019, and she's a prominent leader in women's medicine and the emerging science of post-birth control syndrome. She's a functional naturopathic medical doctor, nutritional biochemist, and she's really looked deeply at what hormonal birth control does to women, and she's working on uncovering the root cause of hormonal imbalances. And when she came on the last time, we talked about her new book, Beyond the Pill, and how to have, uh, well, better sex without the pill. And the episode before that, we looked at how women's hormones affect your bodies and brains at different stages in life. And this time, I wanted to go deep with her on hormonal superpowers. Basically, what are the things that hormones can do for women specifically that give them more abilities or more capabilities than they would normally have? Dr. Jolene, welcome back on the show. Hey there. Thanks so much for having me today. I'm excited for this conversation. Now, you just launched uh, the paperback version, congrats, by the way, of Beyond the Pill, uh, your book with the plan to you know, get off the pill and figure out how to how to deal with the hormonal backlash that can come from that. But I want to know, you've already done that work for yourself. What hormones are you on right now? What hormones? Well, right now I'm in my follicular phase moving into ovulation. So I'm actually on estrogen and testosterone predominantly. <laughs> but in terms of exogenous hormones, the only one that I take currently and will leverage is melatonin. And uh, in the past, I have used DHEA as well, which is an adrenal hormone and a precursor to testosterone and estrogen. Everybody listening, that was after lab testing and it's showing that I did in fact need this. Uh, but outside of that, not on any other hormones at this time in my life. You know what I just realized? That's totally a lie. I take thyroid hormone every morning. This is what happens when you're hypothyroid oh. and you, you've been doing it for seven years and you're like, yeah, no, I'm not on anything. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, I'm on nature throid. Wow, that was an epic fail, you guys. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm on nature throid too. I, my thyroid was almost non-existent when I was 26 and thyroid uh, support is a very powerful thing. And I, I was attempting to hormone shame you for not taking exogenous hormones and you totally didn't go for it. I was like, darn it. Um, you get shamed either way. Uh, in women's medicine, people are like, you're not on hormones. What's wrong with you? Wait, you are on hormones. What's wrong with you? Totally. Right. Yeah. It's, it's so bizarre because I mean, especially with like birth control, if you're in your reproductive years, like you go to your gynecologist and they're like, oh, you're not, you're not taking hormonal birth control. Like you, you're, this is dangerous. Like, what are you doing? Um, and then, you know, on the flip side, women can be in, you know, they can be postmenopausal and they go to the doctor and they're using bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and their doctor's like, oh, what are you doing? That's so dangerous. And it's like, okay, listen, we can acknowledge that all medical interventions have risks and that all forms of hormones that you're, you're on internally making and also exogenous also have side effects. They can be out of balance. They can be used in the wrong way. Your genetics can come into play with all of this. But I think that so often we, we tend, and it, it, it kind of is bizarre to me how in medicine, they will vilify bioidentical hormones, but then praise and dismiss any side effects associated with synthetic birth control hormones. And I'm like, you know, we really have to be going through risk benefit evaluation on the individual level for each woman. In Superhuman, my most recent anti-aging book, I go into this in detail for testosterone for men and for women, uh, looking at bioidentical, so the stuff that you lecture about the American Academy of mm -hmm. Anti-Aging Medicine. 
Like, look, let's let's look at some studies here. And all of the garbage that people hear, oh, if I replace my estrogen, I might get cancer. Blah, blah, blah. It, it's just not even based on on stuff that's real. It's stuff that has or never happened. It's based happened. on old research where they took the urine of a horse and gave it to women unchallenged by progesterone and then wonder, like, you know, why it is that, like, uh, you know, you would even take mm-hmm. that now. And it's like, we're not using the same thing. We're, and the dose, I think the other thing people need to understand is that when it comes to hormonal birth control, the dose of hormones you need to stop your brain from talking to your ovaries is a higher dose than what you would need topically just to get some symptom relief postmenopausal or even in the perimenopausal years. And so I think a lot of those those claims tend to be based on old research and also a misunderstanding that progestin, synthetic progesterone, is not the same as bioidentical progesterone. It doesn't have the same benefits. And when you get into the brain research, so I will say this, 20-something-year-old me was like, why would I ever use like those hormones? I'm going to be natural. 30-something-year-old me, after working with women for over a decade, is like, sign me up for that when it's my time because I've seen the tremendous benefits and outcomes from that. Now, it's not right for everyone, but if you look at just brain health alone, women are disproportionately affected by Alzheimer's disease. So right now, the estimates is 66% of the population with Alzheimer's is women. And our hormones play such a key role in brain health. So they're involved. So estrogen, progesterone, specifically involved in neuroplasticity, our ability to learn new things. They also help us produce the myelin sheath. For people who don't know what that is, think about a a plug you plug into the wall, that little plastic, you know, that wraps around it. That's like the myelin sheath. It helps with proper nerve conduction. So it's my ability to speak and move my body right now. And so these natural hormones, they have a lot of benefits in the body. And yet they kind of, you know, they get vilified and it's, it's almost this throwback to better living through chemistry, right? Where it was like, don't eat butter, eat margarine. Like everything that nature has done, we can do better. Then you fast forward, you know, several generations and we're like, maybe not, maybe we got that wrong. It, it, it just blows me away. You're saying, oh yeah. So there was a study on horse urine, which isn't the same as the stuff that's bioidentical. Well, okay. If we did a study on here's the effect of a liquid diet, I'm saying, oh wow, liquid diets are really bad for you. Like, well, the liquid yeah. was liquid margarine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that might be different than you know tomato juice. So the idea that that any even just halfway thinking scientist would look at the, the horse urine study and and say this has any bearing on the other stuff, it doesn't make sense biochemically. It doesn't make sense at all. And you see the same thing. There is. A company in the 1950s or 60s, they just said one day, you know what? We have a guy in a white lab coat here, and he says that coffee stunts children's growth. Mm -hmm. And of course, he was paid by a company selling a burned grain beverage that's a competitor to coffee. And they're just trying to get parents to make kids drink their stuff. And to this day, we're, what, 70 years after this happened, people still say, oh, coffee stunts mm-hmm. kids' growth. No science, no evidence, no nothing. Yeah. Well, and, you know, some of these studies, too, with bioidenticals or just looking at hormone replacement therapy were done on nurses. And these nurses are night shift workers. And what they found is that they did get, okay, so these women are getting cancer at a higher mm-hmm. risk. But we also know that night shift workers get cancer at a higher risk. This is why you and I rock our our blue light blocking glasses because melatonin 
Yeah, and melatonin is not just about getting good sleep. It's also really potent antioxidant. It's protecting our brain, but it's also specifically protecting our ovaries as well as women. And that's, you know, one reason why researchers believe that light can be so disruptive to the menstrual cycle. Uh, It certainly can. And I mean, we all know uh, if you've read any of these things and you've certainly done the research uh, that if, uh, if women are left without a lot of exterior lighting over time, magically your cycle syncs with the full moon, right? So of mm-hmm. course light affects our biology and our hormones. It always has. And it's, it, it's, it's just there, but we'd like to think we're somehow above mother nature and your work mm-hmm. really points out, sorry guys, you know, you, you can hack at your hormones. In fact, you know, not dealing with the symptoms of perimenopause or menopause by consciously mm-hmm. manipulating your hormones, you might choose to do that. And that is directly hacking with what mother nature wants, <laughs> which is for you to basically die. Well, I mean, that's true though, right? Because we have to look at, you know, historically speaking, like yeah. we weren't living this long and now we are. And that's, you know, a lot of proponents for bioidentical hormones say, you know, you have to look at quality of life here. And it's not just about, okay, what what are the what are the risks that come along with this? But it's the fact that this woman might stop having her period. Let's say it's 50, and she might live another 40 to 50 years. Like she deserves to have quality of life in that. And in fact, you know, the dosage of like a topical bioidentical estrogen, progesterone. In women, we sometimes use DHEA or testosterone as well. You know, those dosages to actually protect your bones, your heart, your brain, they don't have to be very high to get those benefits. We can use weaker estrogens, so to speak, like estriol, that's an E3, vaginally for vaginal dryness, or we can use a DHEA, which I actually prefer DHEA uh, vaginally for vaginal dryness, but also because it can be converted into testosterone and we've, you know, some of the research, we definitely need more, has shown that it improves the muscles of the pelvic floor. So actually strengthening the pelvic floor. Urinary incontinence is a big reason why people get put into nursing homes. Like this is like, we're talking major quality of life benefits. And it's something that if you are listening, you have pelvic pain, you have urinary incontinence, and you're like, I want to jump on DHEA. You also need a pelvic floor physical therapist and other people to be part of your healthcare team, but you can get incredible benefits from these hormones, but it all has to be really examined by, through the individual lens. Like if you have a history of, you know, estrogen positive cancers, then we don't want to put you on a protocol where, you know, you have these really high exogenous estrogens coming in. I mean, there was for a while there people in the bioidentical realm who were trying to get postmenopausal women to start menstruating again by giving them such high dose hormones. That's dangerous. That's like, that's playing with mom and nature a little bit too far, but you're right. You know, there are lifestyle practices that we can use to hack our hormones. And then, you know, there are also exogenous hormones. Like, and this is something I, you know, I frame to people who get really kind of triggered by, oh my gosh, you're talking about giving a woman bioidentical progesterone. Well, you and I are both taking bioidentical thyroid. Like we are taking this because our quality of life would be completely diminished. Before I had thyroid hormone, I was gaining weight. I was depressed. I was fatigued, sleeping like 15 hours, wasn't able to get out of bed. I was losing my hair. My nails were splitting to where they bled. Like that's not compatible with living a full and complete life. It's one of these things. I am 
really just happy and I would celebrate the ability and the right to have a 1% increased risk of, insert name, of big bad thing. In fact, there's four killers in uh, in superhuman, you know, cancer, heart disease, Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. diabetes. I'll take a 1% greater risk of any of those things because the risk isn't that high anyway <laughs> uh, for my own individual risk. Mm-hmm. But if I swap that for feeling amazing every day that I'm alive and saying, oh, well, I'm going to make sure my risk is a little bit lower, but I'm tired all the time. I'm fat. Mm-hmm. I'm cold. I get infections. Like these are the things that happen when you don't do it. And in medicine, this idea of do no harm. Well, leaving mm-hmm. someone exhausted and in pain all the time is not considered doing harm as long as they're alive. Absolutely. And I think you hit the nail on the head there that there are people that take that very myoptic perspective of, is your heart beating? Are you breathing? Great. You're still alive. We call it a win where you know there are people that are still alive that are like, but I don't feel alive. Like I know biologically I'm alive, but I'm not feeling like I'm actually living this life. And you know, I'll be speaking at the biohacking conference and it's going to be exactly on these topics. How do we biohack our hormones? How do we leverage those superpowers? And it's going to be very interactive. So we're going to be going through like, hey, what's your period problem? Let me know. Let's solve it right here, right now. And let me explain it to you. That way, I want people who are there to really, and I want them, I want men to show up as well because they can definitely be allies and understand how a woman's body works. But I want people who are there to understand their body much better than any sex ed class. I mean, let's be real. In the United States, only 17 states mandate that sex education be medically accurate. A lot of people are walking around not understanding their body. Uh, let's mention what the conference is for people who don't know about it. March 27th, 28th, 29th, Beverly Hilton. This is the seventh annual biohacking conference. It's a conference I started with 100 people about eight years ago in San Francisco. And now it's attracted thousands of people. It's <laughs> the big conference in biohacking uh, from the guy who put the term in the dictionary. Uh, so yeah, I've, I invited you to come and speak there. Uh, and it, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Well, I was there last year. It was a great time. I was actually getting an IV and people were coming up to me and they're like, oh my gosh, Dr. Brighton, like I love your book and started talking to me. And before I knew it, I had like, I don't know, 30, 40 women all around me. I'm hooked up to an IV. I can't go anywhere. And they're like, okay, so when this period problem comes up, what do you do about it? Okay, well, let's start with understanding where, where is the body, you know, having a bit of a physiological adaptation gone wrong in this modern environment. And so I hope people will join us because we're going to, you're going to understand your body better than most doctors understand a woman's body. Uh, So that's um, something that you'll be talking about there. But I realized, I said at the beginning of the show, like we're going to talk about the superpowers that hormones give you. When we talk about superpowers, the stuff you're going to be talking about at the conference, what are the specific hormone superpowers that you talk about? What, what does that mm-hmm. really mean? So, you know, to understand the hormone superpowers, it starts with understanding how your menstrual cycle works and that you have receptors for these hormones throughout your body. So these receptors are not just on the ovaries. They're not just on the uterus. They're on your brain. They're in your cardiovascular system. They're in your gut as well. And that our hormones are really tied to every single system in our body, which means that when they're imbalanced, they can affect every single system in our body. And it's also important to note that this is also how birth control can affect every system in your body because you can dock those same hormones on these receptors. 
So when I talk about your hormones giving you superpowers, it's understanding how to leverage their strengths throughout your menstrual cycle. For example, you know, during our follicular phase, so first day of the follicular phase is when your period starts, your hormones are going to drop to trigger the release of the endometrial lining. So you actually shed the lining of your uterus and that's your period. Now, during that time, you know, that's, that's where society comes in and the narrative is like women are so weak because they bleed and they have a period so they can't keep up. And it turns out it's actually a time where we're strong. We can find that, you know, ourselves in the follicular phase, um, experiencing less pain. So having better pain tolerance, we can recover from exercise better. In fact, um, there have been female athletes that they their best times for racing, so running or swimming, have actually been, uh, they, they've hit those milestones during their period. And we find that we can actually gain more muscle mass in that follicular phase. And that's because of the powers of estrogen and testosterone. Estrogen is also helping with your creativity and how both lobes of your brain help you navigate this world. So you can be very, very strategic in all of that. And, you know, as much as testosterone gets a really bad rap sometimes, because yes, too much of it can cause you to lose hair on your head, especially if you convert it into DHT, you can have cystic acne, hair growth on your chin, chest, abdomen, like these things nobody wants. So everybody looks at testosterone as like, that's a man hormone. Women don't need that. But in fact, testosterone helps us with our bone mass. It helps us with our body mass. So in terms of strength gains and muscle mass, and in addition, it's really great for setting boundaries and that coupled. So testosterone, we think about with libido, but you know, estrogen in that follicular phase leading into ovulation makes us plump up. So we get curvier, our lips get fuller, fine lines and wrinkles start to disappear. So now we're feeling sexier. Here comes testosterone where our libido is going up. We're feeling more confident um, in that. And that's a time where, believe it or not, more people want to pay attention and listen to you as well. So there's interesting research showing that, you know, women who are during their, you know, in that ovulatory phase, so ovulation is is a one day event, but leading up to it, estrogen and testosterone arising, people are looking at you thinking, yeah, you look really attractive. Like I'm interested in what you have to say. And at the same time, there's been studies showing that um, female dancers, uh, so like strippers, they actually make more money during this time. They're more likely to get tipped more. So during that time, as much as people don't always want to be reduced to like, oh, hormones are just to make you look sexy, that is a time where you might feel more sexy. And that doesn't mean you have to leverage it as like, oh, here's my time that like I go dating, but it might be a good time to take that photo for Tinder, or it might be that good time to, you know, record a video and be on stage. The interesting thing there, you're almost sort of putting down that, well, it's about sexy. Uh, when a woman is ovulating and is giving a keynote presentation, it's not like every guy in the audience can be going, oh my God, I want to bang her. It It's much more subtle than that. And, and it's like, wow, my attention has been drawn. And then where my mind goes with that is probably a function of whatever my own personal situation is, you know, just as a man. But every person in the room is going to do that. And women also 
treat women who are ovulating differently. They pay more attention to them. And you could say that's because it's a threat and we're all chimpanzees. Or it could be because whatever, maybe they'll, they're going to support her. I, I have no idea. But the bottom line is attention is a currency. So if you know, what, you know where your body is going to be, it's kind of hard to say, oh, you know, two months from now, I'm going to schedule myself to have a keynote on the day I'm, I'm ovulating. But it's really valuable, I think, for women to know, you know, if I'm in the day or two before ovulation mm-hmm. or I'm ovulating and I'm going to be in the public eye, it's probably going to be like a home run. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, that's a superpower that's worth knowing about. And there's nothing that's, you know, crass or it's not just about sexy. It's about attention. It's about turning heads, right? And in the underlying biology at the cellular and hormonal and pheromonal level that might cause the head to turn, that's one thing. But what you do once the head turns is an entirely different thing. And you can just like have a superpower. There. Absolutely. Um, we talked about whether you're in the follicular phase and mm-hmm. you talked about pain sensitivity. So there's a lot of women who don't track their cycle, maybe aren't going to know what phase they're in. By the way, I would encourage, my first book was on fertility. I would encourage any woman uh, who has a cycle to say, you know, I'm going to learn how to do this because it's one of those basic biohacking skills. Like what's my body doing right now? Uh, And one of the things that is a very common signal for this that I want you to talk about, you talk about pain tolerance, but okay, talk to me about what do more sensitive nipples mean for where you are in your cycle. <laughs> where does this question come from? Because it's a very easy thing. Because I, I mean, all the women I've ever dated are like, I know the days my nipples are real sensitive and I know the days where yeah. they are not sensitive. So you can have increased sensitivity in terms of like arousal. Um, it and could that- be arousal or it could just be like, they're more, you know, like they're, they're more tender. Yeah. Right. And then, so that, so it's one thing to to flesh out that like sensitivity can be that like, oh, wow, all of my tissues are a little more primed, a little more sensitive to touch. And then there is tenderness. And that usually happens in the luteal phase. So just coming into uh, your period, the days before that, because your progesterone and estrogen are heightened. And especially if you're in a state of estrogen dominance or estrogen excess, or even making the wrong metabolites and we can certainly talk about simple ways to biohack estrogen metabolites because that's important, that your breast can become more tender, even more swollen. So some women will go up an entire cup size in their bra um, leading up to their period. And that's something that like, there's sometimes women that I talk with and they're like, oh no, I enjoy that. And then there's other women who are like, it's so uncomfortable, I can't walk down the stairs. Well, that's pointing to most of the times that we've got excess estrogen going on and we've got to work on liver and gut health. Okay, so that that's hackable. All right, so we've got bad tender breasts, uh, it is basically before your period. And then the, wow, they're sensitive in a good way. What does that tell you about where you are in your cycle? That generally means you're coming up on ovulation. So when you are like, mm, my partner's looking really good, especially like they come home from the gym and they're sweaty and you're like, oh, that I don't know why I'm so attracted to you. That's all their pheromones coming off. Mother nature is really smart. Mother nature is like, well, sperm lives five to six days. So let's get you in the mood about a week before you ovulate. That way we can capture some sperm, retain it in the, in the uterus itself. And then when an egg drops, we're more likely to be able to uh, become pregnant. And so that is a whole mechanism that I tell women, you know, sometimes women are like, well, I'm practicing fertility awareness method. And I just wait until I see fertile cervical mucus. And I'm like, but sperm be tricky and they will hang out. And there is some evidence too that 
the a woman's body will actually nurture the sperm and uh, try to basically get the best the best of the best to win when it comes to reaching the egg. And then the egg is also deciding who makes their way in. And so we've seen this in other mammal species with these vaginal crypts. And uh, as it turns out, it looks like humans are doing this too. Big shocker. <laughs> Mammals. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. So then tell me, you mentioned something a lot of women and probably a lot of uh, men with women in their lives are interested in knowing about. Okay, if you have the uncomfortable period before your period, uh, you talked about estrogen metabolites, liver, gut, what are some of the big things that people can do in order to lessen that discomfort? Mm -hmm. So this is exactly why there is a whole chapter on gut health and a whole chapter on liver health in my book. And people are like, what's this got to do with hormones? Everything. So here's the deal. Your liver is responsible for metabolizing the estrogen that you no longer need and creating metabolites. The best, most favorable to hydroxyestrone least favorable four and 16 hydroxy estrum. Now we don't have research that definitively says, oh, if you have elevated 16 hydroxy, then you're going to end up with cancer. But we do have research that says women who went on to develop things like breast cancer had a history of higher 16 hydroxy estrum. So after your liver packages this all up, you move it out through the urine and the bowels. But if your gut microbiome is off or you're constipated, you can be creating more beta-glucuronidase that will basically undo everything the liver did and put it all back into circulation. Now we're dealing with more estrogen than the body planned on. So number one is you need to support your liver health. Something that does really, really well in helping us make favorable metabolites is DIM. You can take this as a supplement. You can also get it by way of cruciferous vegetables and broccoli sprouts. Broccoli sprouts, it only takes about a fourth a cup to give you the benefits of what over two pounds of broccoli gives you. So really easy hack, really inexpensive. For my college students out there, you can you can sprout these in your dorm room. And so this will support your liver metabolism as well things as high quality protein. So we need amino acids. We also need to be bringing in things like B vitamins as part of the protocol. So Your liver does this process, but how well depends on what's going on in your environment and how you're fueling yourself. And then when it comes to gut health, we've got to take care of that with not only feeding us ourselves prebiotics, making sure that what is growing in our gut is optimized and you have to poop every day to get your estrogen out. Um, So basically you got to poop every day. All right. (laughs) That isn't where I thought you were going to go with that one, but I'll I'll take that. Uh, it, it's certainly true uh, that if your liver works very well, it'll excrete lots of toxins uh, through your poop. Uh, so, all right, daily pooping. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's another tip: calcium D glucurate. 
That's a nutrient that will help undo the beta-glucuronidase action on that estrogen. So yes, you have to poop every day, but you also can benefit from taking a supplement that has DIM, calcium D-glucurate, things like resveratrol, green tea extract, and B vitamins to support this whole process. All right. I have to go off a little bit on calcium D-glucurate. This is a supplement that everyone should know about. It's been in all of my books. Bulletproof makes a calcium D-glucurate. And uh, it's so important because in men, it helps you get rid of estrogen metabolites as well. Mm -hmm. And if glutathione, uh, and I think my work has helped to make glutathione a part of the world of biohacking, glutathione IVs and liposomal glutathione, uh, I make one as well. But uh, glutathione is the primary detox pathway, and certainly you know that. But this glucarinization or is it glucuration? Anyway, the, the, the glucurate pathway in the liver is the second detox pathway for all sorts of stuff that isn't even a hormone. And so if you're going to be supporting both pathways, you might as well do it, and just like you said. Um, but that thing, calcium deglucurate, not just any calcium, it works, I think, differently for men and women, but it's equally important. And it's something that I've taken every day for, geez, 15, 20 years. And I think it works. Well, you raise a great point that it works in men. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, men are like, well, I don't have estrogen issues. I'm like, are you a human in the natural world being exposed to xenoestrogens? Everybody nod your head yes right now. We are all being exposed to xenoestrogens. Yeah. And you can't go wrong supporting your body in metabolizing your natural hormones, but also your environmental hormones or the environmental toxins and In addition to that, excess estrogen in men can lead to significant health issues. And it is something that lots of my colleagues who specialize in men's health are saying they're seeing elevated estrogens in men more and more. You know, I had more estrogen than my mom when I was 26. Okay, that's not right. I know because my doctor had had my mom's estrogen and had my estrogen. I was like, Dave, I've got bad news. You got no thyroid and more estrogen than your mom uh, and less testosterone too, actually. (laughs) So I'm like, no wonder I have man boobs. Who would have thought? Uh, and it was it was really enlightening to know that and to be able to then go in and fix it, uh, mm-hmm. which is really what what you're talking about more from a woman's perspective. But bottom line is, if your numbers are off, you got to do something about it. Um, and I I'm so happy that you mentioned that because it's an unknown supplement and one that I think really should be as common as vitamin C in today's world where you're getting BPA and weird pesticides and I mean God knows what else mm-hmm. is out there. Okay, now. You talked about progesterone as people say, oh, progesterone. I mean, Michael Platt's been on the show uh, who talked about adrenaline dominance and uh, he's been doing this for 40 years and pretty much you can say, I have, and before you finish the sentence, he'll say, add more progesterone. <laughs> like, it's, it's sort of like uh, one of those things, but he has evidence, like papers behind a huge number of things. Are you not sleeping well? Muscle tension, progesterone, progesterone, progesterone. And that an extreme view of progesterone, but one that's really mm-hmm. interesting and has helped some people who've written in said, oh, Dave, I have this restless legs. I never knew I could put progesterone on them and they go away. Mm-hmm. Who would have thought? So what's your take on progesterone? How do how does a woman know when to take progesterone? Uh, how to take it, the, the right dose? Is it is it all the time? Is it only during certain phases? Just kind of walk listeners through this. And if you have some data, tell me about men and progesterone too. What's your take there? Yeah. Well, I want to remind everyone the very first time I was on your podcast, we talked about brain injuries and we talked about progesterone therapy Mm -hmm. for healing the brain. So guys, you definitely want to go back and listen to that. And it was you after my head injury that was like, take progesterone. (laughs) 
And, um, you know, in the fog of my head injury, I actually went through the animal studies and did the calculations and converted it to my body weight and then, um, had my doctor prescribe it and it made a tremendous difference. Oh, it's so and cool. Yay. It is. And it was like, of all people, Dave asked me being like, take progesterone. And I was like, I've never even heard of this. Um, and you know, for head injuries. Yet the research is out there showing that where you get a head injury in your menstrual cycle can determine whether you have a deficit a month and more later. So progesterone elicits a lot of positive effects on the brain. Progesterone gives you that chilled out calm sensation. And it takes you through that luteal phase where you feel at peace and in love with your life. It's because it stimulates the GABA receptor in your brain. Now, we only get progesterone in sufficient amounts post-ovulation for, the, for what I'm talking about here. So if you are anovulatory, you're not ovulating, or you have irregular cycles like PCOS, sometimes progesterone therapy can be really helpful, especially if you find that you are really irritable or you're crying uncontrollably, you have breast tenderness and you can't sleep. And the question I ask my patients when we are considering progesterone being an issue is if they are cycling, the week before your period, do you feel like you want to A, kill somebody, B, run away to the woods and never be seen again, or C, do all of the above? And they almost always answer C when it's a progesterone issue because you're, you just have no patience for anyone. So progesterone, ideally, let's say you know our 20-something-year-old self, even our 30-something-year-old self, we want to support your natural progesterone production. We can do that by reducing stress, and we can talk more about what role that plays bringing in vitamin C, bringing in Vitex. There's lots of great studies on Vitex for PMS and PMDD, which is a more extreme form of PMS. Um, And making sure we've got ample B vitamins, especially B6 and B5 coming in as well. Now, when to take progesterone? So there are women who, you know, they've lost their period. Maybe it's post-pill, post-birth control, they've lost their period, or they're just not having a regular period. Sometimes we'll use progesterone to induce a withdrawal bleed, a medication-induced withdrawal bleed. And that's so we don't get endometrial hyperplasia, building up of the uterine lining. But I also look at it as, what is this woman's quality of life? Like if she can't function the week or two before her period because she's not sleeping, which by the way, um, people listening, if you are not tracking your sleep, you are missing out on crucial, crucial data. Mm -hmm. And you know, you and I were talking about, um, we had dinner in Vegas and you were talking about lion's mane helping you get great sleep. It was specifically Australian lion's mane yes. from Life Cycle. Like yes. the normal lion's mane has never done anything for me. In fact, I, I read all the studies, and then I got sad because like no neuroplasticity. I launched Neuromaster, the the it's a coffee fruit, not coffee bean extract for, mm-hmm. for brain-derived nootropic factor. Cause I'd sort of given up on lion's mane. And then I took the stuff that like completely changed my REM sleep. Yeah. But it, it's like a specific one. Okay, so so I remember we, that conversation. All right, so where are you going with it? So I tried lion's mane. I was like, I'm going to start taking lion's mane in the evening. And during my last luteal phase, so for everybody listening, understand the days leading up to your period is when you'll have the worst sleep, especially if progesterone's getting low. My sleep score on my aura ring was a 97 the day before I started my period. The month before, it was like 80-something. And I'm like, okay, there's something to this here. So um, progesterone can also be helpful for you getting that restful sleep. We're not just talking about 
taking progesterone and falling asleep, it's staying asleep. It's REM sleep, deep sleep, getting really restful sleep. Now, in terms of supplementing with progesterone, so I gave you the like, if you're not ovulating, here's some medical reasons, but maybe you're perimenopausal. That's also a time to see anovulatory cycles. Everyone always thinks, oh, per- perimenopause, you need your estrogen. You're, at, you're losing estrogen. You actually become estrogen dominant during that time because you don't have enough progesterone to challenge it. So in perimenopause and postmenopause, progesterone can be incredibly, incredibly helpful. Now, if you want to use it just to oppose estrogen, let's say you're doing bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, you can use topical. And that might look like using 20 to 40 milligrams topical. It's always better to start low and go slow because if you have too much progesterone, you will be a crying mess and your breasts will be super, super tender. And it almost looks the same as low progesterone, except you'll tell me I am sleeping really sound. And when I wake up, I'm so groggy, I can barely get out of bed. Okay. (laughs) There's too much progesterone. Now, if you are someone who's having the sleep issues or experiencing anxiety, because low progesterone is associated with anxiety, you need to take an oral progesterone. That's the only way that we really get those brain benefits. And that usually starting dose is 100 to 200 milligrams nightly. If you're cycling, we're doing it during the luteal phase. And if you're not cycling, this can be something that you take every day. Is that helpful? I think that's super helpful. All right. I have one more question for you. Okay. You're a guy. You're listening to the show. Your spouse or partner is not listening to the show and may not listen to the show. And you want to tell her, honey, you need some progesterone, estrogen, like you have some cranky periods that maybe you could work on. Mm. Best way to say that. You know, the best way to say it is <clears throat> to say, like, I, you know, I've noticed that you report X, Y, and Z to me because she'll say that. She'll say something to you. But saying like, hey, I noticed like during this time, you tend to report these things or you say these things to me and it's happened a couple months in a row. And, you know, I, inter- I listened to this interesting podcast and I think that it might be helpful for you. Do not say something like, hey, you're, you're freaking out and I think your hormones are imbalanced. Um, if they are, she's probably going to throw something at you. Like, it's not going to go So well. you don't recommend, just like, honey, let me give you a massage and you actually have progesterone cream on your hands, not, nothing like that. No, don't do that. I'm totally We joking. have to be really... <laughs> it's super be unethical, really by the way. <laughs> no one should ever do yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> no, super unethical. But, you know, you raise a really interesting point, though. Uh, I think everybody should know about, especially sexually active people, is that if these creams, these topical yeah. hormones are placed before intercourse, then they can actually, you can be exposed to them. I had a patient that I was like, hey, you you apply these creams, you then have to wash your hands, use like dish soap, something that because they're oily and don't touch your husband. Well, husband starts having issues. She's like, I'm not touching him. She was touching the dog and the dog was getting it on their fur and then the dog was cuddling with her husband. You don't touch anybody. You, you have to clean that up. And in addition, if you're using condoms and you're placing something like a DHA or a estriol suppository, that is going to break down the condom. Now you don't have STI or pregnancy protection. So that's something to also be mindful as well. And when we go through bioidentical hormone prescribing in my office, we do a whole history. We go through all the pros and cons. And I give a whole list, a whole sheet that women are like, this is really scary when I read it. I'm like, listen, 
it is very low risk that this is going to happen. But if you happen to be that like 0.5% who this might happen to, I want you to know about it. And so it's just about being informed. And then also knowing that you can be dosing the people in your life with these hormones. That's a really bad idea if you have a man in your life or a child in your life and you're dosing them with estrogen, nobody's going to be happy at the end of the day. That, that was uh, the other thing. I, I'm like, like giving anyone any medication without their knowledge or permission is, is evil. Um, but when it comes to testosterone and estrogen and less so progesterone, but even, even then, if you are using, a, in fact, I'll put it this way. If you have children, especially young children, and you are using a cream, you're probably doing it wrong. You have to be super paranoid. So if you're a guy, no, you don't put it in your armpits. It's gonna get on your clothes, it's gonna get around, and it doesn't take very much to completely jack up what's going on in a young child. So mm -hmm. that's why I quit using testosterone cream. Um, you know, when I had kids, you know, my daughter's, what, 12 now, uh, but I used to put it, you know, in armpits, or you put it basically uh, as a guy, you know, on the perineal area. But then you're like, okay, how does that enter my laundry cycle? What gets on my sheets and all that mm -hmm. stuff? And you're like, oh, great, I have a kid, so I think I'll be injecting that for a while. Or, you know, like you said, suppositories. But it's got to be one of those things where you just don't leave a cloud of your hormone therapy around you. Mm -hmm. uh, and it just, it doubly goes for if you have kids. It, it's that critically important. Uh, including yeah, your story with the dog. I love it. No, but you raise a really good point. And I think people do need to be mindful of this is that, so, you know, with women, if they're using creams, they so often get told, put them on the wrist. And I'm like, well, good luck with that. You're going to put that on your pillow. Your kid's going to get into bed at night. It is thinner skin, but you know, I will tell patients, try the ankles and put socks on at night and launder your clothes separate than everyone else. But is it staying in the washing machine? I wouldn't think so, but... Probably not enough that way. It, but if, if you put your socks with everyone else's and you don't use a heavy detergent in hot water, yeah, there's going to be a film of it. Will it be enough? Who really knows? Probably not. Probably not, but I do... Yeah. I'm like, it is. it does actually raise an interesting point as I consider the uh, endocrine disruptors in the environment because we tend to only look at one thing, especially when we talk environmental toxins. We're like, the one thing in one product, it was found to be safe levels except that one thing lives in 12 of her products and she's exposed to it for decades on end. We don't have that study. And so, you know, it's the same thing with birth control as well. As I look at like, well, the risk for developing breast cancer is small, like compare, you know, comparatively speaking to women not on birth control, we also have to evaluate, but what is her environment like? And, you know, is she, is she living, in, you know, the central Valley of California and having high pesticide exposure? I mean, we know there are certain little hotspots in, in the whole world where you're going to get exposed to more environmental toxins, uh, more things that can damage your DNA. So we have to be looking at this very holistically. There's also something called a U-shaped dose response curve. And so for some things, a super teeny tiny amount of it has a high effect, mm -hmm. a, a medium amount, which they oftentimes study in a study has very low effect. And then a high amount has a high effect. So a lot of studies miss these low amounts. Mm -hmm. So I would be uh, very, very pissed off if I found that my kids were getting chronically exposed to low levels of testosterone or estrogen uh, as a part of what uh, my wife, Dr. Lana and I are doing to help ourselves live longer so that we're a hundred, we can still be, you know, really effective parents for our kids when they're in their, good God, 60s, 70s, whatever. I know, uh, the things you, know, you were it, like, wait, what, how old? <laughs> yeah, you have to adjust your thinking when you realize you're going to live longer than you think you're going to live. And 
Um, so, so it's, it's, it's so, I, I, I can't put enough emphasis on that. And I don't think I wrote about it enough in superhuman. I talk about all the hormones. I think I gave it one or two sentences, but for people listening to the show, if you're at the time of either planning a family or you have a family, you're spending time around kids, even time around puppies, like keep your hormones to yourself. That, that's something that's, that's important. That could be a tagline right there. Keep your hormones to yourself. <laughs> exactly. It could be used in all sorts of ways. And I think we answered the right question uh, for um, you know, what you can do if, you're, uh, if your partner is, is experiencing some uh, hormonal irregularities that might not be readily apparent. Because as a guy, most guys who's, who've been in relationships for a while, they're like, man, this is one of those things where you just don't say anything, but like, okay, today is, uh, you know, Today is just a day where I think I'll uh, work late because it's just like, it doesn't matter what I do. And don't talk to her during the peak time. So if she is having those symptoms, it's not the time to call it out. Wait until it subsides and then say, do you remember a few days ago what was going on? And like, I just- And there were like horns coming out of your head. (laughs) Yeah, I just approach it like, I really care about you and I want to help support you. Um, But yeah, don't, don't approach her if she is, if estrogen has hijacked the system and she's super, irritable and there's not enough progesterone i mean yeah that's you you could walk on coals that's a little safer endeavor <laughs> so, so daniel amen uh his one of his early books uh, he was just on the show again uh famous brain doctor uh psychiatrist uh one of the tricks uh, that i learned that's really effective is like oh, i have to go to the bathroom because right? no one can yell at you for having to go to the bathroom. So you're like, I'm just going to extricate myself from this insane, you know, crazy situation. Like, see ya. And then you go away. And, and that gives you an automatic uh, cooling off period. So now if you're a woman aware of your cycle and you plot the frequency of your partner's random trips to the bathroom, you may find that they increase <laughs> as your hormone levels change and you get a little bit more cranky. Just saying, not that that would ever happen in my house. It has happened in my house. I'm going to, I'm going to say that straight up that like it, um, it was after having my son and when my period came back and I was hypothyroid and none of my hormones were right. And I was like, my husband is spending a long time in the bathroom. And then, um, you know, you can see on social media when somebody has been online, I'm like, he's just sitting on social media. What's going on? Um, this is what women do. We are great detectives. And I'm like, you are serious. And I was like, are you seriously going and hiding in the bathroom? Like you're in there for like 30, 45 minutes. At first I was like, he has serious digestive issues. And then I'm like, no, wait a minute. And he's like, I am straight up hiding. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I need to get my my stuff in check. <laughs> I absolutely love it. I'm glad we actually talked about that on the show because now there's a whole bunch of guys who are both set free by this new technique and a whole bunch of others who are now busted. So I, I, th- I think overall it was a solid for, for humanity. The other thing that people could do uh, is you could pick up a copy of Beyond the Pill. Uh, it's beyondthepillbook.com, you know, your, your new book. Well, your new paperback book anyway. Uh, and just be like, hey, there's a whole bunch of cool hormone stuff in here. And, you know, supporting someone with information in a non-judgmental way is is particularly cool. Uh, and I have had that conversation with uh, with women, you know, that, that I've dated or had relationships with in the past. Um, being a, a, an early ahead of the curve biohacker comes with a downside of I've known that pills are bad, that the pill is really bad for women's health uh, for more than 20 years. And, and I'm like, look, we're together and I totally don't want any, I don't want you to get pregnant. That's not the deal here. But because I care about you, could you please consider going off the pill? Cause you don't even know what it's doing to you. Like, like I don't want you to die <laughs> mm-hmm. and having a book 
to give someone when you have a conversation like that is a really good thing. So you could phrase the conversation as like, hey, you know, you want to own your hormones and all. I want, you know, I care. And and this isn't about I want to change you. This is about I want to support you. And uh, that can feel really good. So I have to share with you that last year, so the book came out and on Valentine's Day, there were all these women posting photos of the book saying, this is what I got for Valentine's Day. And immediately I was like, and is that a good thing? And they're like, yes, I love this. And I feel, I feel so loved. I feel like my partner's actually invested in me. I feel like they care about me. Like, and I was blown away. If you had asked me like, oh, you wrote this book. Is it going to be a hot seller for Valentine's gifts? I'd be like, no way. Turns out 100% loved by the women who received <laughs> it for Valentine's Day. Well, there we go. So uh, get beyond the pill for Valentine's Day. That, that's actually really funny. Uh, I'm, uh, I, I'll support that. <laughs> uh, on that note, uh, Jolene, thanks for coming back on and talking about all the odd stuff uh, like uh, hormones and poop and things like that. You know, all the stuff we really wanted to get into. <laughs> and progesterone <laughs> and, and all the other stuff that I didn't think you'd say. And at the end of the show here, I think we kind of had some... Some of the hacks that uh, no one ever talks about, like hiding. <laughs> uh, on that note. That's, that's your primal self right there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Self-preservation, the first F, fear, flee, uh, or freeze. Uh, there we go. All the, all the good F words. Uh, on that note, thank you for coming back on Bulletproof Radio. Thank you for just being a tireless advocate for helping women get their hormones where they want them to be so they can feel and act how they want to. And for putting the the relatively volatile message out about, look, the pill is not liberating you. <laughs> it, it is not helping your health. Uh, it is preventing you from uh, getting pregnant, but there are other ways that will not take away some of your vital spark and your longevity. So I, I just think it's such an important message and you're handling it really well. And thank you for uh, carrying that torch. And on that note, have a wonderful, wonderful time until the Upgrade Labs biohacking conference, upgradelabs.com slash conference. Come here, Jolene, uh, come here, me, come here. Lots of cool people speak, meet other people and play with all the toys of biohacking. It's in Beverly Hills, March 27th through 28th, upgradelabs.com slash conference. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.